Hi, I'm Dave Duncan, and today I'll be interviewing Danielle Doolin and Max Stinson, co-hosts of Lit from the Basement. We've been enjoying this last year. Hello. Danielle. Hello. Thank you for having us on. So, uh, first, the spoiler. The series is wrapping up. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Partly this has to do with Max uh, now having full-time employment. Yeah. No, so well, that's a, That can be a bummer. No longer a stay-at-home dad. <laughs> we, yeah, no longer a stay-at-home dad, so we just... The flexibility that we had before to shift things around when we needed to, um, it's just, it's gone. Yeah. You know, in some ways, starting the show was a way to be an intellectual engagement for Max in some ways. I mean, for myself also. Kids going crazy. (laughs) Indeed. Let's back up just a little bit and just set the context. Hmm. What is Lit from the Basement? Right. It it is a, well, a, it is my, well, the check-in that we were just saying with each other to kind of like a marriage maintenance, but it was also her giving me a one-hour uh, poetry lesson every week. Yeah. So Lit from the Basement, really the whole premise <laughs> of it is that, well, I'm a poetry professor and author, and uh, I sit down with Max doing a close reading of a single poem by a single author. And our conversation sort of goes around something to do with education, but also, you know, Max is like my worst student yeah. and likes to get me completely off topic <laughs> uh, with all and of he'll his... call himself on it. <laughs> Absolutely. And he makes me laugh. I mean, that's, that's one of the, the hallmarks of, of our relationship. And I think of the show also um, is, you know, I come at this with a very serious perspective and he comes at this with a completely irreverent. So you'll, <laughs> you'll go on some stream and then he'll say something like, so basically, it's uh, Renaissance fart jokes, right, or something like that. Yes, exactly. You know, and I'm like, well, okay, all right. I mean, sometimes he's right, and he's just bringing it back down. Well, if we're talking it's, about Chaucer. Chaucer did write a lot of fart jokes. That's true. That's true. That is, and that's always such a fun moment because Danielle, you're always so open to the interpretations. You're just like. Wow, I hadn't thought of it that way. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's one of the pleasures of uh, teaching, really. I mean, I've been teaching for 17 years now, and I've been leading students through various conversations about literature. And I feel like I have had so many students come into my classroom at the beginning saying they hated poetry, right? And mm. and I always tell them, like, well, I'm going to change your mind. You're doing it wrong. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you are, that is exactly right. You're doing it wrong. You're reading it wrong, you know, that, that actually... Or it's being done wrong to you. <laughs> right, exactly. Like, it's being introduced to them in some way that isn't engaging. And that the whole point of, of literature, for me, has been pleasure, and I feel like so much instruction takes the pleasure out of things. And so being open to various interpretations, I think, is, is part of that. And also, I love learning things. So if I can learn something from anybody, I'm pretty happy about that. The fun of discovery is a, a huge part of it, yeah? Mm. Oh, yeah. Following down those... those uh, Rabbit holes that, or whatever, tangents. Right. Yeah, the tangents that we go on, you know, is part of the pleasure of it. Because you discover things about, not just about the poem, but actually about each other, about how your brain works. And that kind of engagement uh, with another person through analysis, I saw it happen over and over and over again in, in, in the classroom. And so when Max and I were talking about creating a show together. Um, I had won a, an Oregon Literary Fellowship and I had got a small chunk of money and uh, I was tr- sort of deciding on on what to do about that. And so we decided on buying recording equipment. Well, we settled on that. We settled I, on that. I think that. I was pushing on investing in a, 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 a hemp dispensary. <laughs> <laughs> that probably
probably would have brought us a far more return yeah, in terms of you wouldn't little, have to get that full time job yeah, now. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that small change. I, I know what to do for that. money. Literature. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I keep making that same mistake over and over. Like, why? It's, why do I keep doing that? It's so awesome. It's gotta be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's got to be a diamond down here somewhere. I mean, we. I think early on no we artist were has ever starved to death. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll just bet it all on art. I just keep doing that. Um, I mean, I you know I do sometimes think about the the ridiculousness of the the choices that I've made in life. I keep going marrying them. I, I keep <laughs> I keep going for the heart. You know, <laughs> I keep doing that over and over. I keep I keep being drawn to what I love. Well, I I love the the personal. Uh, touch that that comes out in the episode and and, and then the interactions like this uh struck me one one was when you're talking about when you first met max and you're talking to your girlfriends about him uh-huh. and it was like i love his syntax <laughs> that was the truth what, what so, was that? I, I don't remember what episode it was but that was something that i used to say a lot and and, and the writer friends i had knew exactly, exactly what, what, what i was talking mean. about they're like oh really oh his syntax is good and then the non-writer friends would be like what are you talking about <laughs> i'm like that's really important to me like why would that be important to you i'm like because i'm a writer <laughs> well even even just that phrase it just it lit something man with like Oh, yeah, syntax. That is kind of like the fingerprint of your personality. That is exactly it. Like, no one else had a voice like Max, but these beautiful sentences would just fall out of his mouth <laughs> while we were talking. And I, I, I often, especially early on in our relationship, because for the first month, it was long distance. So we were, it was entirely phone, o- calls. phone calls. It was so chaste. It was, very, it was very chaste. It was extremely chaste. We, we just had conversation. It for, was months like, before we kissed. Yeah, we it was. love. We talked about moving in. Yeah. We still had not even <laughs> kissed yet. That. But um, but I think that that, that may be why. I mean, I, I knew I, early on, like, I just loved talking to you, you know? So um, I think that we when we hit hit a slump in, in our relationship with our children being so young and them taking mm. up so much of the focus yeah. that we had sort of stopped having conversation. And I don't think that we fully realized that that was the case. I think we felt it intuitively. Like, I mean, we were so tired at the end of the night and just be like, Hey, I love you. Yeah. I know I haven't talked to you for what feels like weeks, but, um, and it was so funny when we started the show, you know, like I remember uh, the first couple of times that we recorded a show and afterwards, I mean, you would say something to me like, Oh, you're so smart. Or, you know, and I'd be like, didn't you know I was smart when you married me? <laughs> like, but yeah, but I didn't talked, see you in action. I knew you were smart, but I didn't know you were smart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I certainly didn't understand how much of my work life and understanding about poetry, I had never communicated to him mm, at all. Interesting. All things you took for granted. Yes, that was wow. exactly it. Like we we met in a graduate program, in a writing graduate program many years ago. He doesn't remember that. Well, but blackout drunk back then. He, he was, he was, <laughs> yeah. I, and he also just couldn't remember me. He, he introduced himself to me probably a hundred times. I, I was like, my what? Thesis, you said. You, he did hand his thesis into me because I was working as the graduate program secretary at that particular time. However. I was just closing the snare really slow. Yeah, he likes to say he was uh, working the long game. Ten uh, years, it's all going to pay off <laughs> you got to respect that kind of planning <laughs> he did not have any plan <laughs> i just thought he was he a jerk is, every time he, i met him he'd be like he hi i'm max plan. i'm like yeah you've been to parties at my house i dated your roommate <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Did. yeah yeah he really did not remember me um 
but yeah, I don't think that I, I, I understood the extent to which I wasn't actually saying anything. He would say, you know, how's oh, work? Yeah. And I'd be like, fine. And my sort of deep personal connection with so many texts and so many authors that have shaped any, yeah, my understanding of things and that I thought about constantly, but, but that I never really said. And I, I mean, I, it, I wasn't actively trying to keep it from him. I just, you know, I didn't know like to, to what extent he would be interested in what it was I was thinking. So, I, I mean, I think in a lot of relationships, there are, there's so much happening in the individual minds that they aren't communicating with one another. And it was really fun uh, and surprising for me to find out once we started communicating in this very directive way, how much we had, we still had to say to one another. It's like, wow, I've, I've married to this whole person. I, yeah. <laughs> I got Fast years of money to do here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so much would get brought up in the conversation about him, you know, his interpretations of things, or it would remind him of some job I didn't know he ever had, or, you know, the, these sorts of things. And, and also, me when I was a gold miner in California. <laughs> exactly. Like, and I'm like, when was that? You've <laughs> never mentioned that marriage. before. <laughs> um, and, and to be engaged in that, in that way by him as well uh, was just really lovely. When you were talking about how, uh, you know, what, how much of an impact poetry, you know, has in your life and your thinking. And that just reminded me of, um, you had a story in one of your episodes about a phrase from a poem that was kind of echoing in your head, keyed off you turning down a Wall yep. Street job. I, 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 know, I remember that. I know what episode that was. I don't know what. It, it was Dennis uh, Johnson. Yes, Dennis Johnson's uh, White, White Collars. Yes. Uh, yeah. I'm, so what was the line and the overall theme of that poem? Ah, okay. Well, the, the overall theme um, was, I, I think I think that the opening line is, this morning, our suits swallowed us like jewels and rode up and down in the elevators filled with us. Oh, I'm getting yeah. chills. <laughs> right? And this is the sort of thing that's going through your mind as yeah. you're, this going person's like, interview. boy, you can come in here and you can make all kinds of money. Right. <laughs> well, it wasn't actually on Wall Street, but it was, it was you know, a round wall and it was a consulting firm uh, near, near Wall Street. And, and on the ride down there, I was living in New York. Um, 9-11 had just happened. I was desperately looking for a job. So I should have just jumped all over this. But on the uh, ride down in the subway, I'm just squished between all of these people in suits. And then because 9-11 had just happened, I get out of the train and there are people wearing like gas masks. There was the National <laughs> Guard with rifles uh, basically guarding our financial um, center, right, of our country. And I and I walk up to have this, this conversation um, with somebody who's, you know, seems like he's willing to hire me. <laughs> Um, now, and, am, I, am I confusing? Is that the one where you thought you didn't have it and so you're just like completely honest or something? Yes. Yeah, yeah that's exactly right. Like while I was in the conversation with uh, – You got into an argument with I him. I got into an argument with him, which is not what I would suggest <laughs> one does in a job interview, right? Um, I mean he was the CEO of a consulting firm on Wall Street and so clearly his interest would be in – profit, yeah. right? Um, and when he started asking me about, it was a, the oddest interview I've ever had and actually quite smart. Um, he was an older man, I think originally from Israel. Mm -hmm. he, had a, he, had a, he had a beautiful accent. But he asked me what my parents did for a living, how I got myself through college, how my grades were, and then asked me about my international travel, which is very odd. But he learned from that conversation that my father was a carpenter. My mother was a waitress. I put myself through school working two jobs. And, you know, I had traveled internationally quite a bit. And once we started having a conversation about it, we got into an argument about economics. <laughs> 
and the American influence um, on the culture of other cultures. You know, he was on the side of like, well, isn't it a good thing that there are McDonald's and Starbucks everywhere? And I was like, no, because I was walking in the Forbidden City in Beijing and like ran across a Starbucks. And I was like, isn't there some sort of sense of um, sacredness, you know? Of nothing is sacred. Yeah. Nothing no. is sacred, right? And <laughs> the answer got, is no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, his answer was definitely no. As long no. as there's not a profit, yes, it's sacred. <laughs> and, and so when he called me back, this is just like an interview and he told me, he's like, well, this isn't a second interview. I'm hiring you. And I'm like, can I just ask you why you would hire me? Because we got into an argument in the last conversation. He said, because you come from a working class background. So you grew up working really hard. You put yourself through school. So you understand the importance of education. You've traveled internationally and seem to handle yourself pretty well. And you weren't afraid to argue with me. And that's what I needed in a consultant. But I couldn't get this Dennis Johnson poem out of my head. And I couldn't couldn't shake the feeling that it was absolutely not the place that I was supposed to be and not the path I was supposed to go on. And this was more of an instinctual idea and perhaps a really romantic idea of, you know, like a 22 year old. I was literally right out of my undergraduate. But I just couldn't shake that. At some point, he started explaining the company to me. And I, and I you know, was like, excuse me, I'm sorry. Like, the refrain from this poem was so loud in my head that I just couldn't even hear what he was saying. And it, and it was this sort of internal sense that I was in the wrong place, that it, it wasn't the profession I was supposed to go into. And I needed to choose something else for my life. And that something else happened to be literature. So... Max is a man of mystery over here. Uh, at the beginning of every episode, we hear a different backstory <laughs> for what he was doing before the show. Just, can you just give us a few? Well, I, I, actually, I think what we can do is maybe that is the only and that is the only prep I do for the show. Yeah, and and usually it's we have to stop recording because I haven't even done that. <laughs> so at the, at the beginning of the show, we have some little thing where before I had a job and. Uh, I would say I was a blah, blah, blah. I was um, I told it many jobs uh, fleeing uh, false accusations that yeah. I yeah. killed, <laughs> searching for the one-armed man. Yeah. yeah but usually, the majority of them are some little summation of an 80s film. You know, I think our, our last one we're going to do, it's going to be a nod to John Carpenter's The Thing. I'm going to mention, you know, I was a helicopter pilot in, in the in the Antarctic uh, for an, a doomed expedition. I'll probably be the next <laughs> last one. But now, I, but now I'm a stay-at-home dad. But now I'm a stay-at-home dad. <laughs> Um, well, the last one we did is I used to be a stay-at-home dad, but now yeah. I'm an employed person. Um, so we, we learned we learned in our very first try, a couple of tries at our first episode, oh, yeah. that we have very different ways of working and addressing creative approaches. Mm. My wife is very methodical. She she will write how many uh, – you've written over 500 pages worth of instructions. For, for 51 episodes. Yeah. Well, yeah, the um... – it's seven pages, single space for every episode <laughs> of wow. research and summation that she's done. And I'm just the jackass who chimes in from the peanut gallery. Um, we I will clinically to... over-prepare for each and every heist. <laughs> you will wing it. Wing it, yes. And, and somehow just come across as more charming. I'm, I'm, quite, I'm quite jealous, actually, of your ability to, to just ad-lib. I, well, I mean, when I don't, how much does that fall flat? Well, that's what we found out. In if the, I prep and that's ahead why of time, I'm flat. We tried to do that first episode five different times. Five recordings. Because 
it, we we did, I tried to wing it one time, and then I didn't try to wing it one time, and he tried to prepare one, and, and it just <laughs> it was like it, not no, oh my goodness. Oh, we actually got we snarled at each other. At yeah, one we point. were and fighting we're like, we during to, that. Like, let's step away from this for a few minutes. Like, we <laughs> we we have like, not the the. Healing, yeah. engaging marriage <laughs> we're not... looking for here. Yeah. I remember you coming downstairs and, you know, we, we like walked away like, let's just walk away from this for right now. And I sat down and like watched some show to cool down and and you were upstairs and you're like, I'm going to go edit the show. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and then you came down after like 10 minutes and you're like, I feel like I'm in some weird state of purgatory where I'm being forced to edit a conversation in which you and I are fighting. <laughs> it was so unpleasant. I mean, we, we also don't argue that frequently. No, we never fight. That's well, we, why it was I, like. I think in our t- in all the years we've been together, probably ten or less. But we yeah. also fight. We trust each other. If you say I'm being a jackass, <laughs> I will usually stew for a moment and go, "Okay, so you're probably right. I trust your read of the world." <laughs> and and I will admit when I'm like, "Okay, I was oversensitive about that. I yeah. needed to re- rethink." That that approach. I'm sorry, I snapped yeah, at you. Editing yeah. that show, like basically, I was editing an argument we had. I'm like, this is awful. This yeah. is some version of hell. I'm, I'm sitting here like, <laughs> on the other side. On the other side, though, when it was a wonderful conversation, isn't that fun to edit? Oh, well, oh yeah. yeah. Well, that well, yeah. Usually, I just let it go. I'm like, oh man, I'm so happy. Oh, I forgot to edit. I'll, 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 sometimes I shut <laughs> down. All into it. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm, I like I like listening to her talk. I'm like, oh wait, no, I'm supposed to be editing. So there's too many ums and pauses here. <laughs> You've kind of frozen in amber this, what, year and a half? Yeah. yeah. It, and it is absolutely something that we've thought that, you know, who knows whenever the, our children might take interest. But now they have an archive. If they ever want to have a different idea or a different aspect of our parents, of, of yeah. their parents, they can actually have – there's archived material of us having conversations now, which I – Maybe they'll never care for it. It's I possible think... they'll never care. But at the very least, we'll care. Yeah. <laughs> it's really funny to listen to. I mean, I don't listen to most of the episodes after we've recorded them because I feel weird about listening to myself. Like it's some strange narcissistic thing. It's like, I think I'll sit down and read one of my own books. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, you know, uh, I, I'm always because I give a lot of readings of it and I, and I have, you know, several books and, and I'm always afraid that when I'm on like a, a public transportation or something, reading my book just to figure out which what I want to read, that somebody's going to ask me like what this book is. And I have to be like, it's my book. And I will just look like such a terrible person. <laughs> but Is it uh, self-published? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, oh, I just love my book. I'm just going to sit here on the, on the on metro, the, on the metro I, I, reading this. My promo this. scheme is yeah. I just read the book and tell people to ask me about it. It's guerrilla marketing. Yeah, totally. I just go everywhere just weeping or laughing. Oh, this you know? is the greatest thing I've – This is the best book I've ever read. Does anybody else want to read this? Here's the link to Amazon. <laughs> But um, so I haven't listened to many of them, but, you know, sometimes we, we do because we're, we've recorded for our podcast and then needed edit for radio and so driving around or anything. Um, but then also sometimes guilty pleasure, sometimes catching our show on the radio because uh, that feels more special somehow. It feels so like, legitimate. Yeah. To be able to be on KMUs and like listen to that. Like, like this over the airwaves. Exactly. Like it makes me feel like fancy or something. So You guys were so charming. Uh, uh, not like you stopped, but when you first, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. When you first, when you first showed up, here was this, this show that was one of the most warm, personal, educational pieces that I'd ever heard from anyone I'd actually Thank met you. in real life. Thank you so much. And you're like, oh, we feel so validated be, by being on a community radio station. <laughs> <laughs> and well, I was like, I feel so validated by having this on our community radio station. Mutually assured validation. Mutually assured validation. validation. Yeah. Assured validation. <laughs> <laughs> That's what community radio is all about, folks. <laughs> 
So, you know, thank you so much for, you know, for having engaged and, and having created this thing. And it continues. It's not like you're going to wipe it off the net, you know? No, no, no. no. This has shelf life, right? I mean, you, what was the class you were teaching and how was this, an episode of this useful for it? Well, I teach creative writing at Willamette University. And so I'm called away to give readings uh, occasionally. And I've always been sort of, I don't go very often, but I hate to take away any educational time from, from the students. And I'm not often able to find other faculty members to fill in for me. And so once I thought it through, I was like, well, you know, I'm preparing meticulous, uh, close reading of each of these poems that we go through. I, it, you know, it takes me at least seven hours to write a one hour show on my end of things, which is part of the reason why we're having to end it now because there's not, <laughs> I don't, I just don't have enough don't time. Drop the quality. Um, and and I don't prepare seven hours for every one hour of teaching that I normally do. So when you're gone, it's a special treat for your kids. Right. Exactly. Well, <laughs> and the fun of having uh, Max ask the questions that they may feel intimidated to ask for whatever. I hope that I'm not an intimidating teacher. Oh, so he's actually kind of modeling. Yes. Know, this is how you ask about things. That is exactly wow. right. And also like, you know, because Max is comfortable with me as a person, he's not afraid to like appear like, you know, to ask. Stupid. Yeah. To have like, like, <laughs> exactly. He's like, I know you're comfortable with me being dumb. <laughs> you are, to, to really you are like one of the smartest people here. that I know. So that's not ever the okay, case. Let's stop waxing everybody's scars. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you um, guys are two different types of, of intelligence. Yeah. And that's another thing that's just really appealing about hearing you guys in interaction is how well that flows back and forth. It's like the, you know, the pr well-prepared academic, you know, the quick witted noviate to. <laughs> stuff, right? Yeah. I mean, that's what I, that's what we hope uh, yeah. comes across, but yeah, I'm constantly impressed with Max. I'm impressed with how funny he is and how, uh, you know, how engaging he is, um, even in all the, the deviations that we, that we go uh, into the show. But yeah, so I've used the podcast, uh, you know, having a students listen to one of the episodes early on in the semester in order to model close reading of a text, um, which is something that I do in my classroom anyway. And then they come back and we talk about, we talk about the show and we talk about the poem I'm always really touched by their responses to have, it. They seem they seem really engaged. How, how what's the earliest back instance that you did that you shared one of these with your class? Like was um, it just this year? It would have been spring semester, probably of 2019, so a year ago. Um, you know, I it, it, I got the idea of sharing one of my pod because I have several friends who are teachers of creative writing who wrote me to thank me. Because they could they use it. Because they were using it in their classroom. And I was like, why am I not using it in my classroom? That, you know, if, if they were going to go away on a, a reading and or uh, they, they were just one of them, you actually use it in their creative nonfiction classroom. That exact episode that you brought up, huh. the white, white collars because of the personal narrative yeah. that was oh. in the show. Though so he was engaging his students in personal narratives and thought that that was a good example of one. The um, reason why I asked is I was wondering if you noticed after hearing, if after the students listening to the show, that somehow they were a little bit more relaxed and asking you questions going, well, we don't have to worry about looking bad. <laughs> Max, Max has set the bar. Yeah. Whoa. Um, I think that they... It, not necessarily more relaxed overall, but I can tell that they feel then that they have more of a per personal connection to me mm. because they probably 
do. You know, they're they're They've more seen behind the curtain. Exactly. Like I I I am not in a professorial position uh, as much when I'm when I'm doing that show because of course I'm talking with Max. Your voice yeah. to Max. Yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. And also, I mean, in your in your classrooms, you sit on a dais and a, and a throne, <laughs> and you have them address you <laughs> in such a manner. Yeah. No, I don't. Kneel do on the pad and ask your questions. <laughs> Supplicant. Yeah. <laughs> I really am not that kind of a teacher. <laughs> the question is poor. You will be granted a swift death. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I don't like to think of myself as the gatekeeper of knowledge. I mean, and that was actually another reason for, of, of wanting to do the show is, you know, I felt like it's not just my students who hadn't been introduced to poetry in the right way, but I felt like a lot of other people who may have had an interest in literature and maybe they've been out of school a long time or something might be happy to be engaged uh, intellectually through literature in a way that was also entertaining. When you started this, where were you in your lives? Were you, how long had you been in Salem? How old were the kids? It was August. I just moved to this house, right? Uh, it was a year after we'd been in this house. A year after we'd been into our, our current house. That's right. Oh, we were deep in the baby vortex. Oh, uh, we were. Miles was a year and a half about that. Maybe, he'd maybe just turned two years when we started talking about the show because that was that summer. We spent a lot of time watching the boys in our backyard. You know, I had the summer off and I was in kind of a slump in my career also. I'd published three books. I felt like I couldn't get enough time to work on a fourth book. And I had just, I think, gotten tenure. And I was sort of like, well, now that I have tenure, what could I create in the world that I would be really excited about? And how can I use that in order to (laughs) engage my relationship with Max a bit more? And we were just doing a lot of talking about what we could possibly do. He and I have talked a lot about creating a lot of doing a lot of creative projects together because we like what were yeah what were together. some of the uh, the plan b and c and d on this what were some other creative projects um, a, that didn't a, happen a kids book well uh, the kids a book children's is, book yeah. we still are thinking about that I actually used to do uh um, mixed media yeah, art. mixed media art and then i started doing a series i called uh, at the time um, mechanicals but now i've seen yeah. that there's a kid show named mechanicals there's three <laughs> other collections of art done that so, so we uh came up with a different attack on it but uh i she just i think you looked at something i did and you just made an instant rhyme about it yeah well that was the, the that was the it. tuscan train oh yeah i i made i made one of the things I, I i worked a lot with or do or did whenever uh, i have not made a collage in since Mercer, right before he was born, was the last yeah. time I made one. I made a resin composite. Anyhow, he I, made art for for Mercer's room, and that was the last time I did something because it's been busy since then. But I loved the art, and I thought it was so so imaginative and also somehow sweet, like enough to go into a, a child's room, but not dumbed down in any way. You yeah. know, it was uh, it was a really engaging piece. And so it was so, an old lithogra- an old uh, wood carving of uh, I took of, of a mammoth, of a train, and some other stuff, and I just spliced them together in the Frankenstein kind of pattern and you said that yeah the tuscan train arrives at dusk <laughs> with a little smoke and a lot of musk oh, nice. <laughs> and then we're like okay hold on how oh, about I this one i showed her another one got <laughs> here what would you call this one yeah, yeah that was kind of, it was like a rojack test suddenly i'm just flashing them up in front of her <laughs> um so we're we, we're still thinking about that we're still talking about um other projects we still have the recording equipment in our basement right yeah. so but we're trying to think through ways of creating a show that isn't quite as 
I mean, consuming. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> seven hours to write a show for me and then, you know, about that for him to edit the show and then an hour and a half to find, you know, the kids are asleep and it's late and we're tired. And now with uh, us both working full time, it basically to have two shows a month, it takes up two weekends. Because you were on sabbatical during part of this, right? Yes, exactly. And we were weekly before this. Yeah. We had the, I wasn't on sabbatical when we were doing it weekly. Wow. It's kind of crazy to think about. <laughs> but I think I think what really was the toppler is that we have been basically ill since September. September. Yeah. Yeah. Both the boys um, are in new schools. Um, so two vectors of these. But yeah, with just both of us working full time and both little kids. So we're trying to think through creating something else that isn't quite as time intensive. Well, I'm really glad that we're going to have this. Uh, you, you gave us permission to keep lit from the basement oh, yeah. in our yeah. archives and pull out when we, when we like. So thank you very much for that. Oh, we completely our pleasure. With that, I look forward to the last slash the first lit from the basements that are still to come. The early episodes. Yeah, we're going to do uh, the bookends. We're going to redo episode one and we're going <laughs> to do episode 52, the last nice. one. Nice. Yeah. And then you'll have a full, then you'll be playing with a full, full deck, deck of cards. Yeah. Yes, that's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> nice round number to end on. We've been speaking with Danielle Doolin and Max Stinson about their series Lit from the Basement, available at litfromthebasement.com in the original form and also playing on KMUZ for the next several weeks and I'm sure again in the future. I'm Dave Duncan and thank you for listening. Thank you for having us. Thank you.